Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Somewhat daily podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride. Sitting next to me, as usual, is Mr. Brendan Boat. How you doing? What's going on, TJ? Hey, sorry to the uh, fans, all nine of you. I was really, really sick last week. I know we said we'd get it going again, and then we promptly stopped doing podcasts. Believe it or not, I tried this time, and yeah. it was Brendan who could not. Wow, so. This one was my fault. I'll take the L. But we're back. After a dub for the Denver Nuggets. I, I don't even want to talk about that. Can we talk about Yusef Nurkic being baptized by LeBron James? We can, because I was supposed to cover a professional NBA game tonight. <laughs> the professional basketball game the Denver Nuggets were playing. Listen, I didn't. I watched the LeBron James dunk on repeat for about two hours. <laughs> I know it's not a good thing to do to look over people's computers or phone when you're near them. But when you're on Media Row, like everyone just has technology open everywhere. So whenever I would look to my left, I would see Brennan's computer. And Every single time it was the LeBron dunk going off. I, I, you probably watched that at least 70 times tonight. I, so the third quarter, apparently, was not good for Denver. I don't know what happened because yeah. I just watched Yusef Nurkic get baptized. I look but, up from my computer once. So. Like, I, I, I need to talk about this dunk in its entirety. LeBron James, from half court, goes off his left hand, jumps outside of the paint, and then proceeds to put a right-handed hurting on Yusef Nurkic that has not been seen from LeBron James in quite some time. This is a top three LeBron dunk ever. When Yusef Nurkic passes away one day, like we all do, <laughs> wait, wait, because we're mortal. When? Yusef Nurkic no longer exists, exists. on this plane See, anymore. There's a common belief that God decides what happens to our souls. <laughs> when Nurkic passes away, LeBron decides what happens to his soul. He owns it now. Like I wonder now if whenever anybody gets dunked on by LeBron James there's like a whisper from Yusef Nurkic like snow stop <laughs> and it just like tails off in the Don't distance jump. every single time LeBron comes at a full head of steam at you jumping off one foot that's gonna be a poster on my wall it's gonna be my cover photo and my profile photo on just, yeah, Facebook I, uh, the profile picture needs to be Yusef Nurkic's face the second that LeBron makes contact with his body. Yusef Nurkic has this look on his face like someone just forced him to eat the most sour thing in existence. We'll, we'll, and, we'll uh, post the screenshot tonight because you can see the exact moment where he realizes he should never have played professional basketball. Oh yeah, the eyes closed, the, yeah. the lips pucker up, and he just realizes that he's in for just a world of pain. World of and pain. not only that, LeBron caught every last little bit of Yusef. I'm not done talking about this. I I, I'm not say. done with this yet. <laughs> Like, I can't, I cannot get over this damn dunk. Like, today, the Nuggets stay alive in the playoffs. You have March Madness start, and the only thing I can talk about is LeBron James baptizing Yusef Nurkic. He caught his entire body.
body. Like, he threw his chest straight into Nurkic, and Nurkic, all 7 foot, 280 pounds of him, went flying. Like, that is just stupid. LeBron just has played the league for 15 damn years. I, the, I, I can't even get over this. The best part is the Cavs lost the game, which is so Cleveland, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The story of the game is that. Oh, yeah, by the way, Portland has also won 11 straight games now, and Yusef Nurkic no longer ceases to exist. Like, he, he's gone. Does not matter. He he is just forever banished from the realm of existence after getting baptized on that dunk like that. Okay. Is it time to move on? I mean, yeah, I could talk I about it for an hour, but we should. We're about 10 minutes into this Nuggets podcast here. So well, Chetty Osmond's celebration deserves another 10 minutes, but we'll move on. We'll, we'll, move, we'll on. move on. All right, TJ. <laughs> so the Nuggets won. The Nuggets did win in a game that the first quarter was rough. Then it looked like we were getting going to get an easy, convincing win that a playoff team's would sort of manufacture in in that context. And then things got rough. They got, got away rough. from them in the third quarter. Gary Harris goes down with an apparent leg injury. And this game goes from, wow, this looks really comfortable. This is just what the Nuggets needed to uh, real tense there real fast. Yeah, there's about three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Gary Harris goes up and gets the dunk in transition that gives the Nuggets a little bit more breathing room and gets fouled. He got kind of launched into the stanchion that holds up the rim, and when he got tossed into there, I immediately was just so nervous because when guys go airborne and end up hitting the base of the hoop, that's usually a very easy way to hurt yourself. Go ask Paul George how that ends up fi- yeah. you know, finishing out. And I was just immediately nervous. So he stays in, hits the free throw and immediately walked straight back to the closest exit to the locker room like no one was with him or anything he just knew he needed to get off that floor yeah took himself off the floor so i ran down there tj decided to check it out because the x-ray room is conveniently located across the hall from the press lounge (laughs) so that's where i was hanging out trade secrets right Uh, yeah gary harris didn't get did get an x-ray tonight the initial results were told are negative he will be reevaluated tomorrow Obviously, the media tried to get a little more from Gary himself, as you can probably expect. We did not get anything oh, from Oh, there Gary. was nothing. No. Like Vic, Vic Lombardi of Altitude asked him, he was like, are you going to play in Memphis? And he was like, you know, just take it day by day. We'll see. And like, was very nonchalant about every every question that was thrown his way. I asked Michael Malone if it was more of a knee or an ankle, and he said somewhere in between, if that makes any sense, and then proceeded just to go silent which, until there was another which question no, asked. no, Mike, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me. There's a lot of places on the leg that are between the knee and the ankle, but... But as far as sort of like things you can try to read into for good or bad signs i can tell you when harris left the x-ray room he was walking under his own power made a couple of jokes asked about the score he was in the locker room in his street clothes and folks were have in a good mood generally yes so you would think if their star player was in serious trouble or if we knew that at least immediately that there might have been a more somber tone i did not get that read yeah i was it was the exact same read for me as well and it wasn't just that he was wearing what is arguably the most uncomfortable shoe in existence in air force one and some very and, tight jeans and some very tight jeans Maybe so if you have any kind of know. leg injury air force ones and tight jeans are not what i'm wearing out of the building so the fact that he's able to do that was a very good sign we won't know anything until an mri happens mri is everything you don't there's no broken bones that's what we have uh, basically found out from the x-ray so now we'll see how the ankle or knee or calf or shin or whatever part of the you know leg from knee and lower on his right side um we'll see how that responds tomorrow morning and see how they how he feels and then he'll probably get an mri again they they said he'll be further evaluated i assume that means mri MRI was not thrown around in any capacity but anybody anybody who's been around this league long enough knows that MRI is the next step for an injury of this of Yeah, this type, well, so. and you say 
MRI out loud and people go, oh, God. So they that's just yeah. the natural sort of progression of things. So they'll reevaluate him, but that's what you can read into there. I'm at the point right now where I do expect Gary Harris to play against Memphis. It's complete speculation. It is way too early for the speculation, but just the vibe of talking with Gary, of talking with Malone, of seeing the front office and the way they were talking after the game, yeah. talking with Tim Connolly. It does seem like that's, these guys aren't too worried about it. That's how I feel, but obviously... Again, we're not reporting there. That's just our yes. Our All right, let's go back to that three and a half minute mark. So Gary Harris gets thrown, into the, get, you know, gets tossed into the hoop on a foul that was not intentional. From my view on the court, it looked like it may have been. I was watching it from the backside of the view, but it was not intentional by any stretch. And he gets hurt, and he leaves the court after making the free throw. Nikola Jokic proceeds to pretty much immediately pick up his fifth foul. The Nuggets lead falls to five when it was twenty six, and all of a sudden, like everything that could go wrong just happened. Man, I was standing in the hallway next to Tim Connolly president of basketball operations and talk about a double whammy he's sitting there waiting for these harris results as he's also sitting there watching and making sure they don't blow a 23 point lead yeah. and pretty much essentially their playoff hopes and i'm so sick of buzzwords like resiliency and pace and like while they do carry a lot of weight depending on the situation they're used so often they kind of lost their meaning to a degree the nuggets were resilient tonight everything went wrong for them and it was their fault i'm not going to sit here and argue that the nuggets you know were like just you know the victims of the basketball gods or anything like that the nuggets put themselves in this position but they fought out of it and that, they found a way to win again. They absolutely needed to win. And that's the one quality of a playoff team that we know for a fact that, <laughs> that they do That and they can have. play well in third quarters. Those yeah. are the only two they things They show flashes of some sure. of them, but they haven't proven it to us, right? They have proven that to us. This team has fight in them. This team, uh, they're a bunch of dogs, man. They're ready to eat. They're ready to go to war every time. But we also saw flashes of what makes us not so confident yes. in their their uh, ability to make the playoffs. I mean, the the... The the lapses in focus, not not just defensively, but really all over the place. Like that third quarter, they were up twenty three and they let their foot off the gas. I mean, that's what happened. Man, they're twenty six. Twenty six were point. they? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that just can't happen, and it's sort of emblematic of the Nugget season. I mean, they go on these tears, and then I I think it's symptomatic of youth. Maybe maybe it's a coaching thing. I don't know, but they they just. They can't stay focused for four strong quarters, and they can't stay focused on a game-to-game basis. Yeah, I just got done writing an article that's up on Mile High Sports that I posted way, 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 way late a couple nights ago. Good plug. Um, I, I'm doing it. But I, I talked about the seven indefensible losses the Nuggets have had, and really the only takeaway of what is a common denominator in each of those losses is the fact that the Nuggets get complacent. That's the term that I've kind of found for what happens to this Nuggets team. They There's this complacency where they're like, you know what, we're good. We're we're yeah. way up on them. We're better than them. We're more talented than them. We can shoot better than them. We're even defender be- defending better than them right now. Like, we're just better than them, and they get complacent. That has been an issue from the very, very first game of the season when the Nuggets had 10 turnovers in the fourth quarter against the Utah Jazz in Utah after leading by as many as yeah. 16 points in that game. Like, this problem has been consistent throughout the entire season. Yeah, Malone has beat that drum all season long, and that's like the number one yeah. thing that aggravates him. Outside <laughs> that of was defense. my lead of my postgame. Yeah, it's, it's just he, it's the focus, and, and there's only so many times he can say it, and at a certain point, it is on the players to internalize that. Uh, I liked what he said tonight, though. He, he acknowledged that. He pointed that out as something that continues to plague this team, but he also said to Ali Sturm of Altitude, look, at this point in the season, Ali, it's, not, it's no longer about how you get wins or losses it's about if it's a win or a loss yeah and tonight was a win uh, that said we have a podcast so we sort of can 
dive into that stuff. Yes. I wanted to ask you, like, do you want to go through each quarter and like just general notes what you liked and didn't like? Yeah, let's do, let's do that. Actually, let, let's go by player because I think tonight was a good way to really kind of go player by player and what we saw and where it kind of came sure. out of. Because for it. me, this game started and ended with Nikola Jokic. The reason that I thought he was so good tonight was not the triple-double. It was not the ridiculous playmaking that he was able to do at every turn of this game. He was so hyper-focused and diligent on the defensive end of the ball from start to finish tonight. And people talk, like, don't get me wrong, if you put him in isolation with any guard who is even remotely quick, he is going to look very, very unathletic and like a very bad defender. Tonight, when he was playing in a team defensive scheme, when everybody was actually focused and locked in, he was a solid to good defender tonight, I thought. And I thought the reason this Nuggets team was so bought in defensively was because from the get-go, Nikola Jokic was engaged and he was he was thinking the game on both ends and playing with a sense of urgency and pace that we haven't seen from him on both ends of the floor consistently throughout the game. There was no let-up from Nikola Jokic in particular, I thought. I completely agree, man. I compl- That's the first thing I thought. Um, three steals, three blocks. Obviously, Huge. those are just the base stats. They don't tell you the whole story. Um, Jokic will accrue blocks and steals sometimes. But, you know, the the thing about him being a bad defender is if you're really watching him for the full game, it's like, okay, does he put forth a consistent effort for four quarters? Does he have the conditioning to do that? Uh, tonight he did. Um, and I thought that sort of entered, like, we, we've seen him, okay, this team really needs a bucket. I'll, I'll, go be, I'll go get that for you. I'll go create points. We really haven't seen him super often say, wow, we need stops. I'll be the guy to get those. And that was really important for me because Nikola Jokic needs to understand that he is how this team goes. Like, he is the engine of this team. And even though he's such an offensively, he's he's a savant on offense, he needs to give that same engagement defensively. And when he does, it makes everybody that much more impactful, I thought. I thought that was a really important thing to see tonight. Yeah, and... He was pretty good on the boards as well. Andre Drummond did finish with 17 rebounds, six of them on the offensive end. That's what he does. He's one of, if not the best offensive rebounders in the league. Uh, but Jokic, like just sort of watching him, he was super active and aware of that. And even where he couldn't keep up with Drummond athletically, he didn't take a single possession off in terms of making sure he was boxing him out and trying to limit those second chance points, which is something that doesn't go well for Denver, especially in their losses. It went well for them tonight. Uh, they they did a really good job of of limiting Detroit to just one shot. So credit Jokic for his effort on the boards and and defensively. And you're right. I, I was so impressed with the defense. I didn't even realize he had a triple double until you screamed it in the third quarter. Yeah, I was a little excited when I saw that happen because Nikola Jokic, for all the crap that has been talked about, how oh god, Paul Millsap is back. Nikola Jokic is no longer Nikola jo-, and all that garbage. Like he has three triple doubles in the eight games that Paul Millsap has been back. Like wild. I'm so ready to throw out this damn narrative that Nikola Jokic cannot play with certain players because of who he is. I just don't agree with that anymore because. Nikola Jokic, you give him the time and you give him the ball. He will absolutely figure out how to help this team throughout the the entirety of the game on both ends of the floor, I thought. What did you think to that point, to that end? What did you think of Millsap tonight? Because I, and and we can even extend this back to the prior game, because I actually didn't think he was very good in that Lakers loss. And I wanted to know what you thought of his effort tonight. And third question, sorry, did it seem to you, and this scared me at first, 
like in the first quarter they were making a concerted effort to get him post touches again. It, I don't I don't it wasn't coming from the sideline. Okay. That's what I thought was important about yeah. the last part of that. Before we get to those questions, hold on to those because I was ha- I was looking something up that was really in, I really wanted to find. Sure. Tonight for the for the Nuggets when Nikola Jokic was on the floor for his 38 minutes, the Nuggets had a defensive rating of just 104. Oh wow, that's really good. Yeah. Considering they gave up what 117 tonight. Yeah, like that's a really good number. He had an offensive rate of 120.5. He was plus 16 and a half. So I thought that was spectacular, yeah. and it really speaks to how good defensively he was. And look, tonight. the Pistons aren't a great team, but Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are not good matchups for Jokic. So it seemed like he recognized that, and he was desperate to make an impact in the other areas that. People have sort of begged him to do since the Millsap return. But I, I really want your thoughts on Millsap. So yeah, let's go back to Millsap. So yeah. I thought tonight Millsap struggled in, in stretches. The, the thing with Paul Millsap that I've kind of gathered from watching his game the past eight games or whatever it's been since he's been back, he, he can look like he's still struggling because he is because he hasn't played in three months. Mm. Like that is always going to be a part of this equation in my opinion. True. So when you remove those optics, Paul Millsap helped this team significantly tonight on multiple different occasions throughout every single quarter. That is absolutely my rundown of how he played tonight. I mean, he was a plus 12. He was 6 of 12 from the field. He had four turnovers to three assists. So, like, when you look at the box score, it's like a whole lot of blah. 14, 4, and 4 with four turnovers is not that impressive. I thought defensively he really unlocks a lot of things for the Denver Nuggets to do. He's the guy who helps the helper. He's the middleman on defense to where without his stunting, without him going down and being disruptive, this defense will bleed points at a—they'll hemorrhage points at— at a significantly more rapid pace than they do without him. Right, like it's things you wouldn't even notice because he covers up mistakes. Yes. So if you can, like as a fan, take a couple of possessions on defense to literally just watch Millsap off ball. He, let, let me go a step further. When you go on to NBA.com and you click stats and you look up Paul Millsap, there is a tab you can go to called Advanced Box Scores. Go watch him on defense. It's incredible. Go just click on his blocks for this year and watch the video. This is a, this is able for anybody to do if they want to watch it. Like anybody you can go to NBA.com and be able to watch film on these guys in this way. You can watch the tangible evidence of how good he is at stunting down and making things chaotic for the uh, for the opposing teams. It won't come up in the box score, but you can see the differences of how the Nuggets play with and without him if you go about it that way. 100%. And I think it's so important to see because those are things that get lost. I mean, if you just like read box scores every night, you're going to miss out on these things. 100%. So I thought that Paul Mosley, if I had to give him a grade, I'd give him a B. Not a B minus, a B flat. Yeah, I agree. And I just... I, I raised this question because um, I, th- I thought he was like super bad in the fourth quarter of that Lakers game. He and was. I, I love Paul Millsap. I don't say things and he like has that bad moments, but Julius Randle owned him. Uh, and also, like, Julius Randle ate him up, swallowed him, and spit him back out. And Kyle Kuzma, when he was going on that tear, I think uh-huh. he fell on Millsap a couple times. Millsap went under on a screen when it's like, dude, I know that Kuzma's shooting this thing. Yep. And like, I'm anyway. I just thought like no, I, right. I was I worried agree because if that. you're not getting those sort of defensive contributions from Millsap. It's you're in trouble. But he, I, I like the way he played tonight. I think what's most important about how he played tonight is that yes, he took twelve shots. It was the fourth most on the team, and it was only in the rhythm of the op, of the offense for the most part. I can only remember two shots he took out of the mid post with the ball in his hands off the off the dribble. I, I can't remember any more plays where it wasn't just like here you go, here's a shot from yeah. somebody. So yeah. I thought that was a good sign. On top of that. When you look at the plus and minuses of this team, Paul Millsap plus 12, Nikola Jokic plus 15. Like those two were the team high, and they both played very well tonight, and they played together a lot tonight. So I thought that was important to see. I, I also liked two for four from deep for Millsap. Yeah. Uh, I like the four more than the two because I, I think that that's a dumb way of phrasing it. But what I'm trying to articulate is I like Millsap can shoot. 
And while he's not a three-point shooter, he is the type of guy who can stretch the floor, right? As opposed to playing another center alongside Jokic. And you can <laughs> the see- The salt was just, so evident if there. You were, if one were to do that. <laughs> just any hypothetical example. Um, but yeah, like I think that opens things up when you're a defender and you have to- You know, Millsap will shoot that. You oh, can't yeah. just completely leave him out there. And so- Again, just an, another wrinkle in Jokic Millsap starting to figure things out. Yeah, I, I think him taking threes. You don't want him becoming a th- like like the there was a point where Nikola Jokic was taking more threes than like right. shots at the rim. That is not what you want from Paul Millsap. No. But the fact that he does force those four, and I say force, I do mean a couple of the times where he was like, I need to take this three. Yeah. Like to be able to continue spacing the floor, exactly. I need to shoot this three regardless of the situation. Exactly. Those threes are important in a macro sense. It does scare me when you get towards the later end of the season and you're still trying to reintegrate him and suddenly right. you start forcing but, shots that you shouldn't be taking. But I'm not, like, Millsap's not the type of player that scares me. Like, he knows. He knows the he bad knows, ones. Right, he knows the, the playoffs, ones that are like, okay. Yeah. It's not his job to take five or six threes, but it is his job to keep the defense on, honest. And yeah, I thought and that, he did that. That's a great point, too, because yeah. he also, he, he has found a way to fit into this offense. Not be the offense, not assert himself on the offense, literally just fit in. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to see from him. And even then, my favorite stat of the night, Nikola Jokic, 12 rebounds Paul Millsap four I know that sounds weird but that means that one person is deeper down into the post and in the painted area and one is not the fact that Nikola Jokic is the one that is down low and getting the ball in the post and doing things like that and not Paul Millsap is it tells me the spacing was correct tonight and also in the modern NBA we've learned that rebounds are not a perfect stat and you take a a player like Steven Adams for example who does not rack up tons of rebounds but he's one of the best rebounders in the league what he's doing is boxing guys out, yep. allowing Westbrook to draw rebounds. So, okay, what, did Millsap finish with only four rebounds tonight? Yes. Murray had nine, Barton had four, Chandler had eight, Jokic had 12. Yeah, and there's a lot of that to do with Paul a Millsap. A lot of that is Paul Millsap. And so, yeah, I thought he played well, man. Uh, I'm going to give you another name here, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray is my probably the most interesting one. I thought he really struggled in the first half. I he thought did. the third quarter he was really bad defensively, and I mean really bad. Like he was just bleeding points in the third quarter. The fourth quarter, Jamal Murray decided we were going to end things. Jamal Murray at the end of the third quarter had back to back threes at one point, and then came into the fourth and just shot the lights out of the ball, which was assertive, aggressive. Was and it, attacking. I think it was the thirty. He scored most of his points. He had six points at the half. I want to say he did have six at the half. Let me and pull up. When, I'm, when he I'm scored his fairly certain. Murray scored like uh, uh, like 11 points in, in the first, maybe 13 or 15 points in the first eight minutes of the second half, something like it that. It was something like that, yeah. yeah. And he, he busted out um, the finger-licking chop thing again. Yes, I, I like asked this. about it after the game yeah. as well, too. And Shout he was like, you know, a... things just kind of happy. I shouts Christian Clark over at BSN. Yeah. But he does kind of... He he said it was all 100% in the moment thing. That's you don't do the same thing multiple times no, if it's just in the moment. That's so planned. I don't buy that at all. I love actually I love this about Murray, but he is a show but like the Lonzo Ball thing, he knew exactly what he was doing. And like the the finger licking stuff, like he I asked him today, I said you like being an antagonist tonight. Don't you? He he said no, but he laughed. And I think he really meant yes when he laughed. I really do. Like he, he gets a kick out of it. Like he does. He's, he's okay being public enemy number one, and that's fun, man. This is basketball. It's a game. You got a twenty-one year old kid out there literally licking his fingers because his own game tastes so good. I'm all about it. Also, uh, sort of transition off the court for a little bit with Murray. 
one thing TJ I really like, we've seen the emergence of him on the court as sort of like a leader and a star player. We've also seen this transformation in the locker room in terms of how he handles the media. He's gone from this guy who wants nothing to do with those types of interactions, who saw media interactions as only traps, to now a guy who sees it as like an opportunity to have some fun, to push his brand, to connect himself with the fans. Like he's having fun, dude. And he had fun tonight. Yeah, you can definitely tell that. I completely agree. Like last year, I'd be like one to five words for an answer he would give to any yeah. question. Like he just didn't talk. Not this right. year, he's much more outspoken, much more fluid, much more himself. Cocky even. Yeah, with oh, us. cocky yeah. for sure. For sure. Uh, so look at the, at the third quarter numbers. Jamal Murray had 15 points and five rebounds in the third quarter yeah. alone. He was six of 11 from the field and three of five from three. Nikola Jokic had five assists in the third quarter by him alone, just in the third quarter. So that's kind of where you saw the, the Nuggets take off. They actually tied the third quarter 33 to 33 at the Pistons. They were just hemorrhaging points at that point. But anything you wanted to say about Jamal Murray? No, other than, well, two things. I mean, you kind of hit hit on them already. One, yeah, the defense was so bad. And I think often some of this, like, man, Jokic is a really bad team defender stuff is exacerbated by how how poor Murray can be. I mean, yeah. guys just go right defensively. behind him. Right. I mean, like, Jokic is going to be limited athletically. And if you're putting him in pick-and-roll situations as a defender when the guy guarding the ball handler is either disinterested or un- like just not capable the way Murray is, I mean, Murray takes full, not just possessions. I mean, I've seen him take full quarters off defensively. So, I, and I, and that's the thing for a guy who is so crazy about going all out and being just tenacious, he takes off time on defense like crazy. And I think that's a new development because last year, even though he wasn't a good defender, he was a gamer, right? He he saw each play as a challenge and he took it personally. And I think now as he's sort of realized like, oh, I can drop 30 on, on Damian Lillard. He's perhaps a little more concerned with that than taking Right, a possession by possession approach, regardless of what side of the floor he's on. So, just like a slight concern, something I feel like hasn't been talked about enough in these last few weeks, and that's why I think he got benched the same night Jokic did. Yeah, I agree with that. So, when you look at the synergy numbers for Jamal Murray, he is in the seventh percentile defensively on just the cumulative plays. He is giving up one point zero six two points per possession. That is awful. That means on every single time that Jamal Murray gets shot at, like whether he's the defender and his the guy he's defending takes the shot, they're scoring at least a point per possession. That is atrocious in basketball. That is such a bad defensive rating. Like He's allowing 1.2 points per, points per possession on spot-up shooting. In isolation, he's he's, average, he's allowing 1.26. Like These numbers are as bad as they get. I know, and it's one thing to sort of like not be getting to your spot defensively on time. It's another thing to be like consistently surprised to, to find out where you were supposed to be. Like yeah. I, I've seen the ball get swung, and, and it literally catches Murray off guard because he was ball watching. And That's the biggest gotta, thing. He's, he's gotta, ball watches, right. man. And when you turn to relocate, and all of a sudden that your assignment isn't where he was just standing— I mean, that happens to Murray a lot, and it's, yeah. So, again, defense wasn't good, but he's developed this thing where he'll follow up a poor first half with a a killer third quarter. He's just so talented. He's able to do this whenever he wants to. Yeah, I like that. Like, I really think he goes into the locker room and goes, man, that was a a shit half from me personally, and makes a a, a point to come out firing in the third. I like that. I do, too. That's a really important thing. What do you think of Will Barton tonight? He I thought Will was awesome. Wasn't he? And didn't they need him to be? And Jekyll and Hyde from that Lakers game, bro. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. Denver's bench scored 51 points tonight. 
Like, that's an obscene amount of points from their bench. Will Barton had 23. You had 12 from Devin Harris. That makes 35 plus the 11 that you get. Sorry, my math's not very good. Did I do that no, right? No, you're right. Plus hey, the 11 you got from Plumlee I did Lyles. do that right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Will Barton, 23 points, 8 of 16 shooting. You added 4 rebounds and 3 assists as well. He was the only bench player. Oh, no, that's not true. Devin Harris was a plus 6 tonight, who was also very good. We'll talk about him in a second. But I thought Will Barton was great. I thought he tried really hard defensively. I thought he had a couple big blocks. He had that block on the 3 in the corner where he just he rotated and just like he rose did. the hell up. He and Chandler. like uh, Chandler had a, an awful game offensively. And you look at his box score... Outside of the rebounds, it's like and the a plumber box. Court. Yeah, it's very weird. But I thought he had an excellent game. There's like sort of a lot of broken down and scrambled possessions where Detroit sort of found a shooter at the last, and you see Wilson just hauling ass to get there for the contest. Well, there was one sequence, I believe it was in the third quarter, where Wilson Chandler gets a pass from Jokic. Oh no, he gets an offensive rebound. Could go back up with it, but instead of doing that, puts a wraparound pass to Jokic for a layup. So you get two points right there. He then comes back down on the other side of the court and closes out to a guy who is not his guy, who is an open man in the corner, and contests it so hard that he throws the, the actual shot off. That swing, that five-point swing yeah. when things were going wrong was huge. Yeah. And those are the kind of plays you don't see in the box score, but were so impactful because there was no block on that. Yes, he got an assist, but he had five on the night. It wasn't that big of a play, but that sequence, that five-point swing was just so important and to the dude, overall score with this game. That's the type of play they need from Wilson Chandler, and that's why they wanted him to start. And that's why he played 36 minutes tonight, even though he was 0 of 6 shooting. And that's what I'm saying. Like He had zero points tonight and the Nuggets scored 120. Like, they don't need him to be Gallinari. They don't. They need him to do what he did tonight, which was hustle defense and the eight rebounds, which was huge. So, uh, shouts to an energetic Wilson Chandler. I did get away from the original question there, which was Will Barton. Uh, my only note on Will Barton, good Barton and bad Barton are really the same player. It's a results. <laughs> it's a results based thing. I love that. Answer. It's not an approach thing. I think that it's. I think it is an approach thing to a degree. Um, I think that when Will Barton knows his role, he plays worse. <laughs> like, I genuinely believe in this. When the, when the Nuggets just need Will Barton to go thrill and just do whatever the fuck happens and like things just start materializing out of his hands and like yeah. he's all of a sudden making layouts where he didn't even have control of the ball and the dribble to the rim. Yeah. Just like chaos happens and he becomes very, very yeah, good. Yeah, like, well, look, Will, you've been bad lately. The bench has been bad. We need you to just get buckets, bro. And he did. And he did. 8-16. He went 1-5 of five from 3 and still had 23 points on 16 shots. Yeah, he still shot 50% from the field. Um, at one point, he was like a, a plus... 20 something in this game in and the then first there was half. that like 24-9 to run that yeah. happened when he was on the court but um, I thought his defense was good when, he, when, when Will Barton is engaged defensively he's a good defender too well that's the thing I mean he's a capable defender I mean he look, the mental lapses are brutal he like he's a horrific off ball defender he's another guy where he's like oh wow my dude they passed it to my guy huh I didn't see that coming. Where was he right. again? Yeah, yeah. He's like ball watching. But is a, when his he thing. does lock in, he is a very, very good and pesky defender. Agreed. I thought that the, the Nuggets don't win this game without his contributions tonight, and I thought he was a very, very helpful player. Like if I had to give him a grade, I'd give him a, I'd give him an A minus. You know who else I liked tonight was Devin Harris. That's the next name I wanted to go to. Super aggressive. Twelve points, uh, five free throws though. So, uh, Such an important stat in my yeah. opinion. Five free throw attempts, sunk all five. And yeah, that was reflective of the way he was playing tonight, which was like, the bench has been bad. And I think Harris has sort of been trying to feel it out and play this secondary floor general thing. 
Whereas tonight, he was like, okay, we need buckets. I'm good at basketball. There's a lane. I'm just going to drive. I kind of think it was a mix of both. I thought, so there's two things that I love about Devin Harris's game tonight. 12 points on six shots because of the free throws and the fact that he had two assists and zero turnovers. Yeah. He was setting teammates up and he had a couple hockey assists that were that that wouldn't be counted in there that but, I thought were very good passes. But he didn't shy away from his chances to impact oh, the game. Oh, absolutely not. I, I really thought that aggressiveness... Um, even just chucking up the threes, he was only one for three. But like, it gave this bench a new look and a new life. Especially that coinciding with Barton's performance is you like if you were the Lakers, you were scared of no one on that bench. And at least tonight, you're thinking, all right, someone's got to lock up on Harris because he's going to take it to the rack if we don't. And I just thought that unlocked a nice, um, neat little element. Well, and, it opened up the next guy that I want to talk about, which is Trey Lyles, who finally had a yes. decent game tonight. He hit a three from the left wing. Hallelujah. Believe it or not, that that can happen if Trey your name Lyles is Trey Lyles. Is back. You know what it was? We've talked about it on this podcast. He caught it. The window was short. It was contested. He didn't hesitate. He just, he just pulled he just up let and it hit fly, it. Fly and uh, let it fly. <laughs> Get the hell out. No, we're done. I, I quit retu- this podcast. I tweeted. I, I, I'm done. By the way, I'm mad at Twitter because he had a great block tonight and I tweeted Trey Denials and not only got one favorite. Because you, because when you spell it Den Lyles, it doesn't look like Denials. I, I got it because you showed it to me like four times. I did it right. I went back anyway. I'm not the best Twitter follow, but that deserves some love. I just I'm gonna that, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> so right now we're using the podcast to call out fans for not hitting up the tweets. That's that, that's so Trey on brand of us, and I love it so much. Denials was good. Yeah, denials but no, was good. It's a great tweet. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, aggressive Lyles looked confident. Uh, they've been missing that for sure. It was great to see him go into the rim too, because once he hit that three, he was all of a sudden attacking closeouts. And I think Trey Lyles at his best when he is attacking closeouts with his three point shot as I guess the threat when he's actually, in my opinion, better going to the rim. Is that a hot take? I don't know. I think it is because I don't agree. But um, he's so good attacking uh, attacking the closeouts off the dribble and finishing up the yes, rim. Yes, but they, but he's. But he's good at attacking closeouts when the defenders are concerned he's actually going to shoot the ball. And I agree with that. And that's where you get into that double entendre where it's like, well, without the shot, he's not the player. Right. But then again, if you can't attack closeouts, you're just going to always close out hard as hell on him. His pump fake is kind of slow. He, like, does that ballerina leg He tries to, like, drop the shoulder as hard as he can. Like, like, for some reason, like, he's going to get annihilated by the closeout. I don't know what it is. For about a month there, it was like, all right, he's not going to shoot it, so let's wait for that slow load up and drive. But, yeah. Better stuff. You know, he's like a top tonight. twenty uh, post up player. Is he per really? Synergy. That's like good. he's like a ninety fifth percentile per synergy post up player on offense. So when I was tweeting, why are we posting Lyles up? That's why. That's, That's probably why they were know. doing it. Yeah. Why are they tweeting Lyles up? Um, <laughs> we... Who's next? Can we talk about that Malik Beasley got put in just for just? I was a just going to ask you what you thought of Malik Beasley's <laughs> performance tonight. I thought um, that it was good that he caught the attention of Jameer Nelson. That, yeah, that's, that's what I got. Fun out of little this. tidbit from the locker room. Jameer Nelson was talking about uh, the mini freakout Stan Van Gundy had when Beasley came in the game, screaming at guys to adjust. You're covering him. You're covering him. And Jameer turns and goes, Stan, th- he's in the game to foul, <laughs> and he, he's <laughs> so he's funny. coming right out. By the way, Vince Dowd, who is out on my Twitter right now talking about how bad Wilson Chandler was, you are wrong, my friend. But let's move on. To- <laughs> just a random <laughs> response to, to the hater. I had to get that out real quick. Um, get off Twitter. So we talked about Gary Harris's injury. <laughs> we talked about, I think we kind of hit everything. Yeah. Oh, oh, the playoff race. Yeah, how about the results? <laughs> so, the so that's where they are at right now. So the Nuggets 
Tonight in the playoff race, there were a few other teams who played that were not Denver, obviously. So we have the Los Angeles Clippers played in Houston against the Rockets. The Clippers finally freaking lost. Thank God. They were le- they were leading at the half. They were up by three, and I was Jesus. like, all right, this is just, it's just never going to happen. Like, yeah. The basketball gods are against Denver. But the Rockets hold on and find a way to win. Um, then you have the New Orleans Pelicans fall into the Spurs. That is not good for Denver. The Spurs are were tied with Denver in the 7th, 8th, or the 8th, 9th, and 10th seeds at one point. Now, all of a sudden, the Spurs are winning a game and a half up on Denver. Sorry, a game up on Denver. Of course the Spurs win that game. Of course the Spurs win that game. Then you have Denver winning, and then you have the Jazz beating the Suns as well. Wow. The Jazz beat the Suns. Golly. Believe it or not. So, where this leaves everything is Portland actually takes a two-game lead because they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight for the three-seed. So, I'm pretty much wrapping up Portland as a three-seed at this point. Oklahoma City is shot up to the four-seed. Minnesota is now in the five-seed. The Pelicans fall to the sixth-seed after losing to the Spurs tonight. Utah is now the seventh-seed. Utah has has risen that far. You're saying that like I'm surprised, buddy. San Antonio is 39 and 30 in the eighth seed. The Clippers, by just one percent difference in winning percentage, is over Denver for the ninth seed, and Denver is in the tenth seed after winning. But even after winning percentage, Clippers would still have tiebreaker, right? Yes, they do. So doesn't really matter it doesn't uh the way i look at this is that denver has one loss more than the clippers which is going to hurt them later on even though the clippers have not played as many games let's let's close with this uh mr mcbride we've got a a a little road trip coming up here and by a little i mean a a A, very long very big one remarkably long road trip um seven games it's like 15 days it's ridiculous so let me start i'm gonna give you a number and then you tell me if i'm right or wrong and then give me yours I think they need to win at least five of these games, and I have them winning three. So I think they need to win at least four of them. The reason I say that is because they need to beat the Clippers later in the year in L.A. That can be your fifth road win because they play them at the end of the year. So you need to win four of these seven because the way I look at it, after tonight, you now have four more home games. You need to get to nine wins to give yourself a good shot at the playoffs. So if you win your remaining four home games, that leaves five wins on the road out of the nine that are remaining. You remove the Clippers game from that because they need to win that game just in case that they're that's the team that happens to be right there with them and they don't own the tiebreaker. So Denver needs to gain that game on them. That means you need to win four of these next seven, Do you in think my they opinion. Can do that? I mean, I at this point, the Nuggets can beat anybody at any given time. I know. That's okay, the one thing they have going for them. I understand that things don't work well. Denver can beat anybody in front of them at any given time as long as your name is not the Houston Rockets. Let me put um, you on the spot, though. Thursday, 11.14 p.m., March 15th. As of right now, do the Denver Nuggets make the playoffs? I, if you would have asked me two days ago, I w- or if you would have asked me before the loss of the Lakers, I would have said absolutely. I'm at the point now where I'm like 40% sure that they make the playoffs. Yeah. I am now under 50% that they're going to make the playoffs. Fun fact, when I picked them to miss the playoffs in that last podcast. <laughs> nice self-plug. Thank you. I'm, just gonna, I'm never right about anything. So so don't get too excited yeah, now. we got uh, 13 games left. Yeah. Jazz 6 seed, Portland 3 seed. I'm going to win this thing. Um, But, uh, well, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> All of the bragging has literally ruined your brain. Oh, I was just going to say, I had fa- I thought the Nuggets were going to lose that game in Los Angeles. I had factored that into my yeah. prediction. I did. I just, the Lakers are a bad matchup. 
the ball thing, the the just the on the road struggles. I just really saw that one coming. Especially because when you play a team twice in that close of a time span, it's almost always you split it. And it's no matter what. Yeah. Like it's just so yeah. hard to win both games. Yep. So let's look down this seven game road trip at the Grizzlies, at the Heat, at the Bulls, at the Wizards, at the 76ers, at the Raptors, at the Thunder. One thing I do feel better about is I for weeks and weeks I was looking at that Heat game like that's got a loss written all over it. The Heat don't look awesome right now. They don't. I'm actually like they, you know, if you were if you're rooting for Denver to win, they I don't think they should scare you as much as I would have said like a month ago. So. And this is the thing: the Heat are like will out fundamental you to kind of a team. They're they're a try hard team. They're not a team with a ridiculous amount of talent. No, they're not. I do feel like just because Denver can put up 120 any single night they want to, that'll it gives them a big boost against Miami. So yeah. I think they, I think that they beat the Grizzlies. Hot if take. they if you lose to the 19 straight loss Grizzlies, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. I'm not even not knocking good, on it. No, if, if if you lose to that Memphis Grizzlies team if they after they've lost 19 straight and you're in a playoff race and you lose to that team, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. So the good news they're is they're going to beat the Grizzlies. If the Grizzlies opinion. are in in a, a spot where they might win, they'll just start drawing technicals because they're. They're not trying to. Yeah, you can pull the Suns <laughs> and just start throwing people at people and just yeah. literally decide to just say, screw it. Uh, the Heat game, I agree. I think they win. Um, you better beat the Bulls. You better beat the Bulls. Um, this is where things get interesting. So that's three wins on the road right there. I tell you, you need to win four. So that leaves the Wizards, the 76ers, the Raptors, and the Thunder. I legit don't think they win a single one of those They games. have to win the Thunder game. I think they could That's, win that's, that's the, the one, one they that's need the one. to win. They're, they're confident against this Thunder team. Yeah. They, they play the more. And the Thunder are in a weird sorts right now. Yeah, they, they, they go are. from really good to really bad. On top of that, when it comes to Utah, Denver is only two losses up with the same amount of wins in division record um, for the tiebreaker against Utah because they're split 2-2 and head-to-head. So that division tiebreaker will come down to how the Nuggets actually own that tiebreaker. So the Nuggets need to win every damn division game basically from here on out to assure themselves that they have the tiebreaker over Utah. Man, I um, I know I said we earlier in this podcast. I'm not even a Nuggets fan. I'm just so stressed. I'm so stressed. Of, like Twitter. I spend so much time on Twitter. <laughs> goddamn Twitter. I want the Nuggets to win so that you guys are happy so that it's more fun on my cellular device. That's, yeah. that's pretty much where yeah. I'm at. But I'm stressed. So I do think that Denver, this is a hard part because Denver could lose to the, to the Wizards, 76ers, and Raptors all in a row have a three-game losing streak going into Oklahoma City. That's scary. That's really damn scary. It is scary, man. And they put themselves in a tough spot. No more room for error. Look, here's the thing. If they are a playoff team, is that if that's what they're made of, we will find out because they are going to get tested. Yep, and they're going to have to beat the Bucks, Pacers, Timberwolves, and Trailblazers at home coming up too. Speaking of testing, let's go test our livers. I would love drink to take in an alcoholic beverage or six. Like, I would go. absolutely love that. All right, yeah, it's been a lot longer. Holy shit, we're at 40 minutes. Time to go to sleep. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you following along with all of us. Who knows if we'll ever podcast again? <laughs> Probably not. To follow B vote 422 on Twitter and tell him he's an asshole for not podcasting. Yep. Make sure you hit me up, T McBride. Uh, well, that's my email. You don't want my email. Jesus, TJ. <laughs> it's a late night. I'm really tired. Here, I, I got it. Sick this it's morning. at TJ McBride NBA. That's me. That those that last if part is how you know. To me, I'm very used to it. He covers basketball because it says NBA. If you didn't know that I cover basketball, <laughs> Sorry, you know what was worse when I was on radio covering everything and my title was TJ McBride NBA. <laughs> yes. like, Man, this guy's like, football this takes a little. Game. 
handle right now covering it, but it says NBA in his handle. I, yeah, I don't know. I was very, very confused myself. All right. So, but yeah, let's go home. Let's Thanks go everybody home. for listening. Enjoy your night. Enjoy this long ass road trip. Talk to you soon. As we engage in battle, the crowd now screams in rage. The hot chief Jamel Ari takes the stage. Light is provided through sparks of energy from the mind that travels in rhyme form, giving sight to the blind. The dumb are mostly intrigued by the drum. Death only one can save self from this relentless attack of the track spares none. Yo, yo, look that. Look at all these crabs laid back. Lamping light and gray and black. Boom is on my man's rack. Codeine was tossing your drink. You had a navy green. Solomon the fiend. Just overheard you scream. You two faces come of the slum. I got your whole body numb. Blowing like Shalomar in 81. Sound convincing. Thousand dollar cork pop convincing. Hands like Sonny Liston. Get fly permission. Hold up. I'll fasten your wig. Bad luck. I humiliate. Separate the English from the Dutch. It's me. Black noble Drew Ali. Came of trees. We like the Genovese. So season these degrees is earth 93 million miles from the first rough turbulence The wave burst split the megahertz Hey yo, that's amazing Gun in your mouth, so verbal foul hall Connect thoughts to make my man chow walk Swift notarizer, a blue tank All up in the high riser New York gang visor Word tranquilizer, just a dosage Delegate my clan with explosives While my pen blow lines ferocious Mediterranean, see y'all The number one trap pick Tear down the beat guard The delegate, the guard, the seagull The swift chancellor Flex the white gold to Tarantula, track truck, diesel, play the weak are substantial, max mostly, undivided, then sliding, sickening, guaranteed, made them jump like raw strength. Hey sports fans, football season is here, and the time has come for you and your friends to have some fun. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, basketball, college, and all your favorite sports events. You can take a side, total, or try their in-game live action. Go to MyBookie.net to open an account and use promo code CHAMPION to be entered into our amazing prize pool. That's MyBookie.net promo code CHAMPION. Get in on the action today. No deposit is necessary. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.